the spiritual life involves a lot of failure. We get things wrong. In the meditation, we get distracted by a, a sound, a memory, a feeling in the body. Attention gets snagged, carried away. In such cases, we can be lost just for a moment, just for a few seconds. And there's a noticing of getting carried away on the sound or the feeling. And we let go. This also happens on all kinds of different scales in our lives, not just being momentarily distracted in the formal meditation, but we can get lost, lose our way, tangled up in doubts, anxieties, for days, weeks. The mind fails to keep her perspective, gets absorbed in this thing that seems like a real problem. This can go on for weeks or months, years even. Lingering doubts or resentments, you know, things that happened a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, fifty years ago. We can carry them around, treat them like a precious possession, not getting any kind of perspective on it. The lost love that we had 40, 50 years ago, we can still carry that around, the broken heart that we had when we were a teenager. Opportunities that were missed. Or oh, great achievements that we're proud of. How successful we were in university or in business. How high our marks were in school. Carrying that around as a real value, something precious, important. Who we are. So whether it's a, a small-scale thing, momentarily distracted for a few seconds, caught up in wanting, fearing, planning, irritation, resentment, and then letting go a few seconds later, or the more deep tissue items of attachment and identification, getting born into particular moods, attitudes, resentments, that person who did us wrong. We fail. You can call it failure, 
But in a way, it's better to think of it as being born into a particular attitude, giving it value. That precious thing that you achieved, that terrible wrong that was done to you, a thing that you shouldn't be paying attention to, a habit that keeps recurring. The mind is born into those particular states and attitudes. And the result of that birth is Sokaparideva Dukkadomanasupayasa, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. The various kinds of ego death that we experience. Oh, I got that wrong. I can never forgive that person. Why did that happen to me? I'll never be complete because of that, that great loss in my life. A dukkha. Dukkha arises because of those births. Therefore, it's important to understand this process, investigate it, how we get lost, how we fail. I remember many years ago um, hearing a, a Dhamma talk, I think it was given by Trevor Leggett, who was a... a British scholar and practitioner of Buddhism and Judo. He had a very high qualification in Judo, I think ninth Dan Judo practitioner, lived in Japan for many, many years. And he was telling a story um, about uh, the English tutor for the Japanese royal family. He was talking with this fellow who'd been hired as a, as a teacher there for the, uh, the royal family in Japan. And uh, he asked him, what's the most important thing that you, you feel that you can teach your students? You, know, you have these uh, few people, few young people that you're teaching, you're responsible for their education. What's the most important thing that you feel that you have taught them or that you want to teach them? And the interesting thing that he said was... Uh, I feel the most important thing is to teach them how to fail. It really struck me. Of course, we, we want to succeed. We want to let go of our attachments. We want to forgive the things that have been painful to us, that we carry resentments for. We want to train the mind to focus on, on the, uh, the present moment, to be peaceful and calm wise and skillful. But just because we aim at that, it doesn't come about simply as an act of will or decision. We all know that. So, you can't just decide never to get distracted or never to feel resentful or proud, never to feel angry or in love. It's not a matter of decision. I'll never get angry ever again. Anger's awful. Can't just unplug it and switch it, and switch it off. Recycle the, the anger gadget. Doesn't work that way. It's not just a matter of making a decision, but learning how the process works. How the mind gets lost. Born into different attitudes and habits. How we fail.
to learn how to fail perfectly. So we aim at doing things according to what we see as beneficial, wholesome, liberating. But we recognize in that process, it's an organic system. It's not under personal control. It's anicca, uncertain. So we fail. We lose our way. The mind gets distracted by attraction, aversion, anxiety, opinion. jealousy and pride, all kinds of lurches. One moment jolting this way, next moment jolting that way. The, the practice then is not to create negativity or a kind of critical self-view around those lurches, those uh, being jolted around by the, the bumpy road of, of our experience, our habits, our conditioning, but rather to expect that, to not pile on top of the, the dukkha that comes from losing our way, being distracted, but rather to recognize took a wrong turning, fallen off the bicycle. This isn't where I wanted to be. Okay, recognizing that, this has led to something that's painful, stressful, unwholesome, obstructive. For oneself, for others. Okay, duly noted, waking up to that being conscious of the, the dukkha that's come from having lost the way, having lost your balance, recognizing that, yeah, this is painful. And then letting the mind adapt to adjust, to let go. If we add on to it self-criticism, I'm an awful person, why am I so distracted? Can't I let go of this? Or why am I so inflated? Why am I obsessed about that person? Why do I hate this person and love that person? It's creating more self-view, creating more causes for dukkha. Instead, we can relate to success and failure from a place of selflessness. It doesn't have to be, I succeeded or I failed, but rather, the whole process of guiding this life, these actions, these words, these attitudes. It can be guided by mindfulness and wisdom rather than by self-view and conceit. So if we relate to this process of having a path, a goal, a goal of non-grasping, realization of Nibbāna, there's a path to that, the Eightfold Path. So, that path is undertaken based on mindfulness and wisdom. This is the most beneficial and wholesome, liberating thing that can be done with this life. This is the consummation, the fulfillment of the human potential. So, a direction is set in in that way, 
with realization of Nibbana as a goal, as a path and a goal based on mindfulness and wisdom, not I've got to attain, I've got to become, I want to be, I've got to get rid of. All that eye-making and mind-making, leave that aside. Let effort, the direction, goal-directedness and effort, let that be guided by mindfulness and wisdom. Wholesome intentions, free of self-view. And then, when there's a recognition that the, the mind's been distracted, momentarily, for a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade, a few decades, when that distraction, when that birth into that particular state is recognized, notice the dukkha that comes from that attached to that feeling, that thought, that love, that hate, that nostalgia, that regret, that plan. Notice the dukkha that is there through that identification, that attachment. And let the dukkha be what initiates the letting go, rather than I should let go, I'm hanging on to this, I'm being really stupid. Let's let the painfulness of that identification be fully known. Like if you pick up a uh, something hot, or you touch a hot stove, as soon as you recognize the heat, you pull your hand away. It's hot. Similarly, just let the painfulness of that dukkha be what causes the dropping of that. There's no need to, for there to be an I should, I must, I've got to. No eye making or mind making is needed. Let the painfulness of the experience be what wakes us up. And then let the system adjust. You know the direction that is most helpful, most skillful. That's already something that you're aware of, the heart knows. To focus on this moment, to let go of jealousy and love and hate, attachments. So with that awareness that arises, let the, the balance be re-established. It's like a self-adjusting system guided by awareness, mindfulness and wisdom. So then when we fail, when we lose our way, and along with that, say, using the painfulness of that to wake up, it's also good to use wise reflection, investigation. Why did the mind get distracted? Why does it give such value to that? Why is that so important? Why is that so terrible? Why is that so interesting? What's the chemistry of that? How does that work? So we use wise reflection to get to know what those habits of distraction are, why that birth, a particular pattern of being born into that attitude, that identity. We explore it, investigate it, 
so that becomes more understood. Doesn't mean it can necessarily be stopped. You can't just decide now that you've seen how anger works that you're never going to feel angry again. And those impulses are going to happen. The mind is probably going to get lost again. But each time, each time becomes more of a known commodity, more understood. It's clearer how it works. So the mind is less easily deluded by it. Slowly but surely, those unskillful habits lose their power. We're not creating the causes for them to be strengthened. By relating to success and failure free of self-view, we're planting the causes for, for clarity, for liberation. We can't undo the causes that have been created in the past. We feel their effects. But the way we relate to them, skillfully, mindfully, with wisdom, mindfulness, we are planting causes in the present that ripen as peacefulness, clarity, liberation. <laughs> 